0: Lord God, we do thank you. Uh, You are an amazingly gracious God. Uh, Lord, you took this church from humble beginnings and made uh, something even better out of it, Lord, according to your providence and your will. And uh, Lord, we just uh, can't wait to see where you're taking us, but we are are thankful for for the six years that we've had. Uh, Lord, we just ask your blessings as we seek your will and seek to minister to this community from uh, this new beautiful building that you have given us, Lord, and and we're thankful. And Lord, now anoint my uh, mouth, and and may the words of my heart and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I blew that verse, didn't I? (laughs) May the meditations of my mouth, right? Okay. The words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. I just want you to know that I know the verse. All right? So I know the verse. Uh, all right. Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm just so thankful to be with you today. And, and before uh, we really get into it, uh, the first thing I want to do is, is just to, to thank Carl uh, and, and Kathy and, and what a wonderful. <laughs> just wonderful, wonderful witnesses uh, to Christ uh, who. who uh, who gathered and started this church, and um, we would not be here today if not for Carl, and Carl, your ministry is a blessing to everybody in this room and to me, and so uh, we are very grateful, and I just want to thank you for what you have done. You know, uh, uh, I'm standing up here, but uh, I am standing on Carl's very broad shoulders and the legacy that he has made. Uh, uh, Jesus said in John 4:38, 38, uh, I sent you to reap for that which you did not sow and and to... Uh, things that others have labored for, and you have entered into their labor, and uh, I've entered into Carl's labor, and uh, I find myself up here, but I'm just very, very grateful uh, to Carl, so thank you, Carl. Um, well, it's important to remember big milestones, right, and, and this is a big milestone as we, as we celebrate our sixth anniversary here, and uh, we want to look back uh, over our lives, and we want to remember the things uh, that God has done, uh, and, and God wants us to remember these things, too. Uh, He's orchestrated all of these events in his providence that have brought us here uh, today uh, at this very moment. And so, you know, when you fly in an airplane, uh, you know, you're flying at 30,000 feet and you can look out and you can see for miles and miles and miles. Right. And it just it gives you a different perspective, because in life we 're busy and we 're always looking at the next thing, and where do we have to be next and We kind of live by our appointment calendar, uh, however we choose to keep that, but seeing things out the window of an airplane uh, gives us greater perspective on distance and and how vast the world is and it 's the same thing when you lay out on a dark night and look up at the stars and, and you think about the vastness of the universe and uh, the, the the amazing creation that God has made and uh, these kinds of things uh, help us to take uh, less of a me-oriented approach and more of a God-oriented approach. We, we tend to think about God more when we look over vast distances and just contemplate the heavens and, and the vastness of, uh, of the of the earth, and that's not even to consider the vastness of the universe. If you've ever driven across the country, you know how big this country is, let alone the size of the earth and then the, the, the uh, solar system and the galaxy and the universes. Uh, staggering. And it's the same thing when we look back over time, right? Uh, It's so hard in our lives to look back over time because we're always so busy. We're focused on the next thing. I have 50 things on my to-do list that I have to get crossed off today. So I've crossed off the first thing. What's next? What's next? What's next, right? We always are caught up in that mindset. And so uh, it's very helpful uh, to take the time to look back over time and see what God has done and That's a difficult thing to do, just to look back hour by hour or day by day. But when you start to look back over larger chunks of time, month after month, or even year after year, when you start to take the long view and think about what God has done over the course of time, then you can really see his hand in the work, in the work that's gone on. And So on milestone days like today, uh, we want to look back, we want to consider what God has done, uh, and we want to remember. We want to remember because uh, it's important to remember because we want to celebrate what God has done. And remembering is also important because we want to learn to alleviate the fears in our lives because we serve a faithful and dependable God. And so when we look back uh, on him, uh, when we're facing the next fear, we don't have to worry. God took care of the last thing. We know he's going to take care of this thing as well. And so it's important to remember. Uh, remembering is a very biblical con- uh, concept, of course. God wants us to remember what he has done for us, and he wants us to tell our stories Uh, to our children. Uh, And that's because the things that God does, you know, he can accomplish things in a nanosecond. Uh, And if we didn't remember those things, it would be over in that length of time. But God wants us to tell these stories down through the generations so that our children will know what God has done, how God has provided, and that we don't need to fear. Uh, when, we, when we face our greatest fears and we think that there is no way out, when we look back over, over the past, we see that God has always provided a way out for us. And so uh, that's why we look at the past. And, and so remembering is important. And I want to look at two examples uh, from the Old Testament. We uh, want to remember. Uh... There we go. We remember. Remembering in the Old Testament. So uh, Egypt had been enslaved in Israel for 400 years. And God came to Moses and said, I want you uh, to free my people. And of course, Moses fought with God and said, I'm not your man. Uh, God said, you are my man. Go do it. And so Moses goes down to Egypt with his brother Aaron. But uh, he understands that that uh, he is not going to be uh, be able to free his people immediately. First, God is going to have to mag- uh, show his magnificence to Pharaoh uh, by these ten uh, incredible uh, plagues that he brings about onto Egypt, and and the last of those plagues. Uh, The plague of the firstborn uh, is the plague that uh, God really wants these Israelites to remember. And so uh, on the night that he was going to institute the Passover, he told the Israelites to paint the door uh, uh, sashes uh, with the blood of the uh, sacrificial lamb. And when you do that, uh, the plague that I'm about to send is going to pass over your house, but it's going to strike dead Uh, the firstborn of Egypt. And and so the plague came, uh, and the firstborn in every house of Egypt died. But God instructed them to remember this Passover, to celebrate it year after year at the same time every year, because God wanted them to remember what he had done, uh, that they should remember and be comforted. And, and that's the theme. Remember what God has done, be comforted in the future. And so uh, he wanted them to celebrate this every year. So even God was into celebrating anniversaries. So he would very much approve of what we're doing here today, celebrating the anniversary of this uh, wonderful church. And so uh, we read about uh, God's instruction to them to remember in uh, Exodus. And here's what it says. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. When you enter the land which the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall observe this right. And when your children say to you, what does this right mean? You shall say, It is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians, but he spared our homes. So on that fateful night, the firstborn of all of Egypt died, but the firstborn of Israel was spared and Pharaoh was finally convinced that he should let these people go. And so Moses begins to lead this exodus out of Egypt and they get as far as the Red Sea. But then Pharaoh has a change of heart. And he decides he's going to go back and he's going to recapture these Israelites and he's either going to kill them or he's going to return them to slavery. And so here come Pharaoh's chariots and uh, the Israelite army Israelites are, are pinned up against the Red Sea uh, thinking that there is no way out but God, right? But God. It's a theme we're emphasizing here over the past couple of weeks and over the next uh, several weeks But God, He can do what we think can't be done, so that we will remember and we will be comforted when we face trials in the future. And so, uh, Moses uh, is given an instruction by God: raise up your staff, uh, and the sea will part. Whoops, that's not right. The sea will part, and when you come to uh, when you come to uh, this Red Sea, uh, the sea will part, and you will pass through it on dry ground. And so, that's what it looks like. You've all seen. Uh, the Ten Commandments, this wonderful movie of Moses. I can't look at this picture and not see Moses there raising up his staff, right? And and so these Israelites passed through. And when the Egyptians tried to do the same, the sea swallowed them up. And so the Israelites would see the Egyptians' face no more. But there was more for them to do. And, and so they had to continue on their on their journey into the wilderness. And due to their sin, they had to remain in the wilderness for 40 years, But after that 40-year period, um, God decided that it was time for them to enter into the promised land. But there was one problem. They're on the east side of the Jordan River, and they need to enter into the promised land, which is on the west side of the Jordan River. It's a big river that they need to cross. So what are they going to do? Well, they come to the Jordan River, and God says, when the priests who are carrying the ark uh, dip their toes in the water then the river will part and you will pass through on dry ground. And so that's what it must have looked like. Uh, And then after they had passed through, he told them to build a memorial to what had happened today. So after they crossed, he said, go back into the middle of the river, gather up 12 stones, bring them back to this side of the river and set up a memorial to what the Lord has done. And so this is what he says in Joshua chapter four. He says, let this be a sign among you so that when your children ask later, saying, what do these stones mean? Then you shall say to them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. Memories, remembering, God wants us to remember. Moses and Joshua wrote these things down so we would never forget. But God, he's certainly great and he's powerful and he's capable of doing these amazing things. He's the creator of the world, so it's no surprise that he can burst into his creation and he can do supernatural things like stopping up rivers and parting seas uh, if he wants to. But why does he do these things? Is it just so that we would know how powerful he is well, it's partly that, but it's also because he wants us to know that he can handle circumstances that we have. Uh, you know, when, when we forget to rely on God, sometimes uh, the, the best indicator of what uh, somebody is going to do in the future is what they've done in the past. And with God, the best indicator of how he's going to perform in the future is what he's done in the past. He's rescued these Israelites now time and again, And they should have faith. They should remember and be comforted that he will rescue them uh, another time. So we remember these events so that we'll learn to trust him in the future. That's why we invest in blue chip companies and not penny stocks, right? We want to invest in something that's been around for the long haul and has proven itself by past performance, not something that's going to be fly by night. So we remember and we're comforted. We want to learn about what God has done and how he has provided. And these are the things that we cling to when we remember. And when we study the Old Testament, we see God doing the impossible uh, over and over again so that the Israelites would know that there is a God in heaven who has covenanted with them and said, you will be my people and I will be your God. You know, he says, fear not in the Bible over 100 times. God does not want us to be afraid. He wants us to trust him, and the way we trust him is by looking back, remembering what He has done in the past, how He has provided for us, and that we should be comforted as a result. So just two examples of remembering in the Old Testament how about remembering uh, in the New Testament? you know humans are pretty slow uh, to catch on to anything you know that we' we're, we're just uh, we're kind of dense and we're kind of busy and, and we just don't hear a lot of what's going on in the world around us and so Uh, advertisers tell us that it takes at least seven times to hear something before you even start to recognize or remember what it was that had been said. And so... That's why when you're watching a ball game, you get peppered with ads from Flow from Progressive, right? Or or the Gecko Geico. They're constantly on you trying to remember that they're selling this insurance product, and and we need you to remember that. Forget about the game. Remember our our insurance product, And, and we're just slow to remember. So that's why they spend so much money on advertising, because it doesn't get through our heads. And that's why Jesus was constantly telling them to remember I counted 52 times in the New Testament where uh, the the word remember is used in some form or another. Uh, Jesus wants us to remember. And of course, he knows our short attention span. So he's constantly reminding the disciples of things that he had done, things that he had said. And then he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll remind you of things that I did and things that I said. Uh, He was always doing that because uh, we are kind of thick. We kind of don't remember. And and that's why uh, remembering is such an important concept. And Here's one example uh, from John chapter two. Uh, Jesus had just overturned the the, uh, tables of the money changers in the temple courts. And and the Jews said to him, what sign do you give uh, as your authority for doing these things? And Jesus answered and said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. The Jews said it took 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered what he said uh, and remembered this that he had spoken and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. And so it's important to remember scripture because when we remember scripture, then we can be comforted by it. And before Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, he told these apostles that the Holy Spirit would come and bring other things to his remembrance. John chapter 14 these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, uh, whom the Father will send, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Remember, remember and be comforted. That's what Jesus wanted to tell these, his disciples. In Matthew 16, Jesus told his disciples uh, to remember how he was able to provide for their needs. I remember while they were crossing the sea, uh, Jesus told them to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But the disciples immediately panicked about that because they thought he was talking about their failure to bring bread with them for the journey. And so Jesus said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not understand or remember the five loaves in the 5,000 and how many baskets you picked up, or the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you picked up? Jesus was not talking to them about bread. He was talking to them about the false teaching of of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Don't worry about bread. That is such a simple thing. I can always provide that for you, Remember how I have provided for you in the past. Uh, Remember and be comforted. Don't fear. And then there's the example of someone in the New Testament who had no faith at all until this very moment where he asked Jesus to remember him, the thief on the cross, right? He cries out to Jesus for his salvation. He says, "'Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom.'" Uh, And that's normally Jesus is telling us to remember, but here's uh, a thief on a cross, a criminal, asking Jesus to remember. And all of us who have been saved have asked Jesus to remember us in one form or another. Uh, By his blood, we are saved. And Jesus, remember me that I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Well, Jesus also told us to remember his sacrifice by celebrating the Lord's Supper. And we do that here every Sunday at Grace Redeemer. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, uh, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so that's what we're doing every Sunday. We're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. And that is our hope, the second coming of Jesus. Why do we celebrate the Lord's supper every Sunday here? Not all churches do that. You know that, right? Well, the reason we do it here is because we want to keep the cross of Christ central to uh, what we're doing here every Sunday. You know, the New Testament doesn't give us any instruction about how often we're supposed to do it. We're just supposed to do it. We're supposed to proclaim his name as often as we do it. But because the cross and his sacrifice is so central to the gospel message uh, that we want to do it as often as we can. There's a first century book, not a biblical book, but it's an early church manual. It's called the Didache, uh, written by uh, church people in the first century. And it talks about how people did church in the first century. And and uh, there's a chapter in it called uh, Christian Assembly on the Lord's Day. And it says this, But every Lord's Day, gather yourselves together and break bread and give thanksgiving. And after having confessed your transgressions, that your sacrifice may be pure. So churches, this is, a, this is a first century concept that we would celebrate the Lord's Supper every single Lord's Day. And so uh, that's what we do. Uh, we've been, Christians have been doing that for a very long time. And it's not mandatory to do it every Sunday, but we do it every Sunday because it's so important to remember uh, the cross of Christ. And, and we want to keep that uh, central. So uh, we remember. Now, let's think about what it is that we are remembering. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, what are we remembering uh, we're remembering that, that Jesus gave himself for us all so that we could be saved from this problem that we have. Humanity has a problem, and the problem is called sin. Uh, when Adam sinned in the garden... He became a man of sin. He became infested with sin. He became infected by sin. And that sin was transmitted to everyone who has ever lived because we are all children of Adam. And so uh, we're born with this original sin that Adam had. But not only that, each of us commits sin. Uh, So Romans 5.12 talks about it. It has both components. It says, therefore, uh, just as through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin, that's original sin, Uh, And so death spread to all men because all sinned. That's our personal sin. And so we have original sin and our personal sin in this one verse. And so we're under the curse of both. We're doubly condemned. And because of that, Romans 3.23 says, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And because we're sinners, uh, Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. So we're all sinners. We're all condemned. And that might seem like a hopeless situation, but God, but God, God sent his only son so that whoever believes in him may never perish, but have eternal life. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. Why did God send his son? Because we have a sin problem and it needed to be cured. Uh, He sent his son who lived a perfect, sinless life uh, so that those of us who trust in him can be covered in his blood. When the sacrificial system under the Old Testament existed, you had to bring a perfect one-year-old, pure, spotless lamb to offer as a sacrifice to cover over the sin that you committed. No imperfect lamb would do. No lamb that uh, was not a perfect sacrifice, a lamb that didn't cost you anything, a lamb that you were gonna throw out anyway, that's not a sacrifice. You have to bring the best of what you have. So a perfect lamb was required to be that sacrifice. And then when we come to the New Testament, Jesus is that perfect lamb. He lived a sinless life, a life that we could not live, and he died to pay for the penalty that we could never pay uh, ourselves. And and so he, he was fully human, he lived a perfect life, and he was qualified to be our sacrifice in his humanity. But he also had to be fully God as well, because no mere man could pay the penalty that is due of humans. So uh, he has to be fully God, and he has to be fully man. And so Jesus was both. And when he died on the cross for our sins, uh, he was saying, I take on all of your sins, and I give you uh, all of my righteousness. And, and that's what he did on Good Friday. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's called the great exchange. It's the best deal you'll ever get. Here's Jesus over here and he says, uh, all you sinful people, I'm gonna take all your sin on myself and I'm gonna pay the penalty that you owe. And all you people over here, all you do is you take my righteousness on you. And when you do that, The Father is going to see you clothed in my blood and my righteousness, and he doesn't see your sin. There is no better deal than that in the entire world, ladies and gentlemen, and we are the beneficiaries of it, and that's the gospel message that the world needs to hear. But that's not all. I mean, it would be good news if that's all there was, but it gets even better because uh, we serve a living savior, right? Every other religion in the world uh, has a dead leader. Uh, you think about Islam. Uh, Muhammad died uh, in 632 AD. And Buddha was the leader of the, of, uh, the, the, the he was the philosophy behind the people known as Buddhists today. But he died in the 5th century BC. And Confucius, uh, the leader, uh, the philosopher behind Confucianism, uh, died in 479 BC. Uh, Every church leader or every leader of religion other than Christianity has either a dead leader or a leader who is going to die at some point. We serve a risen, living Savior and Lord who is alive today. And that's what makes Christianity uh, distinct from all other religions that have ever been. Our Savior is alive, and so we praise the Lord for that. So God raised Christ from the dead. Christ is alive, and so we trust that because Christ is alive, We will rise and we will live again too. And so we don't fear our death and we don't rely on ourselves for our salvation. We rely on Jesus for salvation because he is the only one who can save. Your salvation is by grace. It's not by your works. Uh, Your works are but filthy rags, according to the Bible. Uh, Your works can't contribute anything to your salvation. It's the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God that allows us to have our salvation So why rely on your own works when you can rely on the perfect man who is fully man and fully God for your salvation? And and so this is what we remember when we remember the Lord's Supper every Sunday. And that's why we celebrate it every Sunday. We remember who Jesus is, what he's done, and we're comforted uh, by his work. We don't have to fear death because we have Jesus uh, and we are assured of our salvation because we've placed our faith in him. And so The Lord's Supper is a celebration, and we celebrate that every Sunday. Jesus died for our sins, and he rose from the dead so that we can be saved. And that is something to be celebrated. And I can't think of anything better to do every Sunday. We ought to celebrate that. And so that's why we do it. We remember the blood of Christ. So we remember, and we are comforted by his death. Now, we remember, but God forgets. Do you think that when you read that in your bulletin, you thought, well, that's a strange title for a sermon. Does God forget? Can God really forget? Um, That's why I put forgets in quotes, or otherwise it might be blasphemous. So I think about things like that. Uh, So God, does he forget? Well, no. I mean, God is omniscient, right? If he forgot anything, he would no longer be God. He would no longer be omniscient. Uh, And that's a good thing, because if God actually did forget our sin, Uh, You know, we've all in this room probably had a senior moment at one point in time, right, where we forgot something, and then a couple minutes or hours later, we remembered it again. What if God was like that, and, and he forgot our sin, but then he remembered our sin again, and he's like, okay, I forgot to punish you guys for that sin that you guys committed. Thank God we don't serve a God like that, right? He's a God of grace. It's not that he has forgotten our sin in the sense that we forget things. It's that God chooses to forget our sins. And that's what makes God such an incredible a God of grace. He refuses, or re- refuses to remember our sins. I might lose you all on this illustration since you're all from the deep south of Texas, but I wonder if you've all ever heard of a young Jewish girl from New York City by the name of Barbara Streisand. Anybody ever hear of Barbara Streisand? All right. There's hope for you Texans yet. So Barbara Streisand used to sing a song called The Way We Were, uh, and there's a verse in that song that, that goes like this Memories, uh, some are beautiful, and yet what's too painful to remember, we simply choose to forget. So it's the laughter we will remember whenever we remember the way we were. And so you see Barbara Streisand there having some selective forgetfulness, right? Some selective memory. She chooses not to remember the things that are too painful and chooses to remember the laughter. And that's how God is with us. He chooses not to remember the sins that we've committed, and he chooses to remember that we have clothed ourselves in the blood of Jesus uh, by accepting him as our Lord and Savior. And so uh, that's what he wants to see when he sees us. And this is how he says it in Hebrews 10. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws on their heart, And on their mind, I will write them. And then he says uh, in verse 17, and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. And so God just chooses to forget. Psalm 103 says it like this, as far as the East is from the West, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I know you've all heard that verse before, but have you ever really thought about what that means? Uh, When you talk about as far as the East is from the West, it's kind of a nonsensical thing to say unless you have a starting point, right? You don't know east from west unless you know where you're starting. Uh, it's an immeasurable, immeasurable distance. It's actually nonsense without a starting point. But uh, what it's saying is that God has removed our sin as far as infinity from ourselves when we trust uh, in His Son. We are washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, and when God looks at us. He sees us covered by the blood of his son, and he chooses to forget our sins. What a gracious God we serve. And so when we remember and when God forgets, that is something to celebrate. And that's what we're celebrating today. Uh, It's wonderful that he's given us this building and that we've been together now for six years. Uh, We're celebrating that, but we're also celebrating uh, the cross of Christ, remembering what he has done and, and how he has provided for us Uh, both for our eternal salvation and for materially what we have in this building today. So let's celebrate. That's what we ought to be doing. We should be celebrating our six-year anniversary today. The first thing we want to celebrate is our history. As we celebrate our history, uh, we celebrate and and remember all the great things that God has done for us uh, in our lives and in the life of Grace Redeemer. Uh, Even the bad things that happened uh, that resulted in the start of this church. God took all of that and he worked it for good so that we could be here today. Uh, And I know there were painful times, but God took a mess, and he made beauty out of it, and we're so thankful to God for that. Uh, As you remember the last six years, think about all the ways that that God has worked. Uh, You all, with God's help, had to convince Carl to to do this again. And and Carl graciously said, yes, I will do this again. Uh, And You met in people's houses for a while, and then after a time, God provided Etz for us to be in uh, to worship for several years. But all the while, he's providing, uh, raising finances so that uh, you could afford uh, to to acquire a building like this and put in the money that was necessary uh, that we could worship from here. And so God's hands have been all over the life of Grace Redeemer Church so that we can remember and be comforted by this God who is all-powerful and and, and can do this. So we think about our history. We also think about God's providence. Uh, Think about the things that God has done in your own personal lives uh, the last six years. Uh, I have a story to tell about my last six years, right? Six years ago today, uh, I was in my second month of seminary. We had just moved from New Jersey down to Texas, and we weren't uh, born in Texas, but we got here as fast as we could, as the saying goes, right? So it <laughs> took us about 50 years, but we got here, uh, better late than never, but but that's our story, and, and so we got here six years ago, never imagining we'd be uh, with you here uh, this day, but six years later, God took our lives and merged our lives with all of your lives, and now we're going to be one life together going forward as Grace Redeemer Community Church and, and you all have stories like that to tell uh, yourselves. If you weren't one of the original few families, then uh, your story uh, at some point merged with Grace Redeemer's uh, story and has become one. And and as you think about how God does his handiwork and weaves us together as believers in and out of of each other and and so that we become one fabric, that's what he has done with Grace Redeemer Community Church. And so uh, we remember God's providence. And we celebrate also God's plans for our future. Even though we don't know what they are, we're gonna celebrate them in advance because God would not give us this building and give us all these beautiful faces that I'm looking at and not have a plan for what to do once we got here. So we don't remember just for the sake of reminiscing or resting on our laurels. We remember that we serve a faithful God whose hand is on us to do the works that he prepared in advance for us to do. That's Ephesians 2.10. God has work for us to do. He has people that he wants us to save, and he wants uh, believers to be discipled, and that's the work that we are supposed to do. We need to evangelize unbelievers, disciple believers, and that is the mission of the church, and that's what we will do as God gives us power and strength and as the Lord directs. So let's celebrate our sixth anniversary. And, and as we do it, let's think about our seventh anniversary. Where do we want to be? Let's think about our 10th anniversary. Let's think about our 20th anniversary. Dare we look so far into the future? Let's see, let's pray what God would have for us to do uh, over these times. You know, as Jesus went around uh, his, the synagogues and he was healing people of their diseases, Matthew 9 says, uh, Jesus saw... The people, and he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of his harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Brothers and sisters, we are those workers. We are the workers that he will send out into the harvest. So on our sixth anniversary, we remember what God has done. We remember and we should be comforted. Let's remember why God put us here and let's go out and reap his harvest. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so grateful to you for all that you have done in each individual life that is represented by this church. And in this church body, Lord, what an incredible thing that you have done uh, to weave your work, uh, weave us, your handiwork together uh, into this fabric that we call Grace Redeemer Community Church now. Lord, let us remember all that you have done and let us be comforted by the things that you have done. Let us not fear what is to come, Lord. Let us with great energy and excitement uh, think about what you're going to do in the future. and, And Lord, As we look forward to our next anniversary and the anniversaries beyond that, uh, help us to find what it is that you would have us to do. Uh, The fields are white for harvest, Lord. Help us to be your workers. Help us to be your hands and feet in this world that desperately needs to know the saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name, amen.